Hello, everyone. This is your host of the podcast, Grief Glasses, Dr. W. And for this episode, I have the pleasure of interviewing my sister, Monica Brock. And we're going to discuss how our family has managed our pain and grief of losing our parents. So, Monica, um, I don't know if you want to discuss mom's passing or dad's passing or both. But uh, I'd like to kind of get a sense of where you are in terms of how you feel today with that pain and that grief, because uh, both certainly were both great losses for our family. So if you can just kind of share with, with me, where are you today in terms of your mental state, your emotional state, and your spiritual state? Okay. First of all, Dr. W., thank you for having me on. I do appreciate the invite. Um, And I will start with dad because I process both of them differently. For dad being the first to go, I realized that we were not at all prepared. And I play back a lot of how we dealt with that in the moment. And so I realized that when I think I've gotten further along, that I'm not as further along as I think I am. So I have to remember that with all the pain and the loss that I'm grateful for the time we had. And so when I get into those places where I don't want to be, and we all get there, that I'm, I'm grateful that we were all able to be together as a family, that we were with him. Um, and that we were able to do the things we we were able to bond in that moment and that he wasn't by himself um, and that we haven't been on our journeys, even though we have experienced grief in different ways, that we haven't been on those journeys alone. Um, Today, I'm in a much better place. I think for me, my greatest fear was how I was going to process it dealing with the kids because M dealt with it a lot better than Jarrell did. And so for me, my mental process of moving forward took a halt to try to get him into a better place when I wasn't in a good place. So now I can look back on times and try to recall his voice or something that we did and just be grateful. Um, but there, with that, there's always still the moments when I break down. And yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, I was just talking the other day with a friend and I was saying what I've What I've learned is that each day I need new encouragement. Every day it's a new level uh, or different type of encouragement that I need. Um, But it sounds like you wanted to first make sure your children were okay in terms of how they were dealing with the loss. And then once you were able to get them to a place 
where you felt somewhat good. I'm sure it was probably never 100%, oh, they're great. Uh, but then you transition to yourself. So yes. how long would you say that that took you to feel that you could move forward and begin to do your own grieving of losing dad? Uh, truthfully, I think I started dealing with that just prior to when we found out mom was going through her process. So I had to halt. I had to halt. Um, mm -hmm. And I had to keep that in perspective because there was no time at that point. I, I could not allow um, those emotions and those things to come flooding to the surface because I knew I had to have a certain level of strength that I had to, you know, God right now is not the time. I was hoping to be at that point, but I know now I have to rely on you to get me to a certain level every day going forward. Um, Yeah, I, I can kind of relate you know, to that. You know, because we were so unprepared. You know, I tell this to Steve all the time. I can remember when we were sitting in the, the family room with the doctor. And he said these words to us. He says, now, we're in the end stage here. And clearly looking back on that with dad, I don't think anyone in that room even grasp what he was saying. Because when we left that conversation, our thought was dad was going to go to a step-down unit. I can just still remember us having those conversations. And he was trying to prepare us. And I think that he understood that we weren't ready to receive that information. We, we just weren't yeah. ready. Um, yeah. And so when when I thought I was at a place where I was ready to really process it and understand it, because at that time I was going home to see mom, like all the time I was going to see her. I was hanging out to the point where she'd say, Steve, tell your wife, you need to come home. Cause. Yeah. I remember you were on a monthly quest there yeah. going home yeah, for about time. six, six or seven months in a row or something like yeah. that. Mm -hmm. And then when I thought, okay, maybe I'm ready to really kind of deal with it. I, I couldn't I couldn't deal with it. I had to, again, shove it all back down. Uh, and so I had to deal with them both at the same time. And what I think a lot of people don't know, and I thought about this a lot over the last couple of days before we talked, that before I moved here to Texas, I was in a very bad place. Steve and I were in a very rough place. And to the point where he thought, I'm going to have to call her sisters and tell them we may need to commit her because I don't know what to do for her. Because I, I could not process it. So my, my solution was to leave. 
-hmm. that was my solution for it is I would run away from it. I would run away from it. And so when you say leave, you mean leave Indiana. I left Indiana and I came to Texas Mm -hmm. thinking that would fix it. And of course it didn't. And over the course of the first few months, it was really bad until I just said, God, I can't do it anymore. I, I, I can't. And, you know, Steve finally came here and we just really worked on loving me and understand that I did all I could do. We did all we could do. And we were so blessed. And I rely on that as my strength. And that God gave us everything as far as our resources here to do what we could do. And he gives us our strength each day and renews us each each and every day. And so go ahead. So what was your turning point um, of when you truly began to process it, do you remember, I'm sure you don't remember the exact date per se, but what was that turning point moment? When did you realize I'm starting to turn the corner or I'm starting to process this in a healthy way? What did that look like and what resources did that include? Um, It was right after we sold our house in, uh, mm-hmm. in in Indiana and Steve moved here. Um, mm-hmm. And I stopped going home all the time. So you needed to separate yourself from the, from the memories because it seems like there were so many memories, you know, I'm sure, you know, at your home and even going home back to yes. Camden mm-hmm. to Arkansas, um, it was still too fresh for you. And so I think what I hear you saying is you needed to step away and give yourself some space in order to begin to process so you could begin to heal. Because it sounds as if you were doing a lot of grieving um, and the grieving was consuming you and that was not allowing you to go forward in the stages of grief. We know that there are stages of grief and mm-hmm. everyone deals with those stages differently. But I guess what helped you was a relocation. It, it um, did. And, it, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so your change of scenery was a part of it. What what resources besides Steve? Uh, you know, Steve is certainly... Um, you know, family loves Steve. Steve's is a great brother to have, a great addition to the family. Um, other than Steve, and you, I, I hear you referencing God, so I'm sure your faith was a part of that that journey for you to begin your your healing. What other resources did you tap into to help you continue to turn that corner and and move forward with your healing? Realizing that I had to really reconnect within the family. 
and not. So what do you, for some when you say reconnect? To, to make sure that we all stayed in touch, that I talked mm-hmm. to you guys, you know, and I, and I tell people all the time, I don't have a lot of friends outside because I have a lot of sisters. I don't need a lot of extra friends because I get my support. Uh, everybody is has a different personality. They laugh at different things. They joke about different things. And I realize that because we're all grieving in different stages that some at some point somebody else may be where I've been or they may be further along than I am. So when we talk mm-hmm. about things and we re- reminisce about things, I realize it's okay for us to talk about it. I don't have to not talk about it anymore. I don't have to keep it inside of from fear that it's going to break us all down if we bring them up. Mm-hmm. So when we're together and we have conversations about something mom or dad would say, it's a sense of joy for us. And when I knew that we were all getting to that point around the same time, not that it doesn't spark something sometimes that it does break us a little bit, just, you know, from time to time, but when we have conversations and we can laugh about things, I know then mm-hmm. that I had those arms to hold me up. And I was a part of that to hold other people up mm-hmm. so that you're never, you're not alone. I'm not alone in this. Mm-hmm. And, and I yeah, had I, to, to show that. And I had to be that strength because mom was never, she would never have allowed me to just fall apart around her. I couldn't do that around her. So I didn't want to show that around you guys either. That was really important to me. But I knew that it was okay if I did. So since you you brought up mom, I think this may be a good place for us to transition to talk a little bit about losing mother. Uh, certainly, you're right. I think we all process both losses differently. I know that I did. And you said that you did. Um, One of the things I I want to say publicly is just how grateful I was that you kind of set aside your, your personal life to move back home to help out. And that's a big sacrifice when you have a family, you have children, you have a husband And again, that's a testament to the type of husband you have and Steve being so supportive of you doing that. And so I'm forever grateful that you were in position to do it. You wanted to do it. And it helped us tremendously as a family to to manage her care. Um, And it allowed us to do it as a family. So without you stepping up in such a big way, I think it would have looked a, a little bit different. So, and I'm sure I'm not the only one that appreciates that, but I, I want to personally tell you that because that's, that's a sacrifice. Um, and, and we both know that mom would never ask that of you. Uh, you, you chose to do that because I know that was in your spirit to do it. So um, thank you for doing that. And thank you for recognizing the need for that because it, I think it helped mother in 
so many ways um, beyond what we'll ever know. Um, but I know that she felt comfortable with you being there. I do know that. And I think a part of that is, if I can say it, is because you were, you're a mother. And so a mother knows about nurturing and caring for others. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think you carry that maternal instinct greater than any of us sisters. And so I think that that was something that mom was able to really lean on in her time of need. So talk a little bit about that process of how you dealt with finding out that mom was sick, how you dealt with the process of, you know, going forward and managing her treatment and what your, your grieving and pain process was like. When, when she told me, um, the only thing I, I, I could think immediately was I got to go back because I had been there and I'd only been home. You know, I don't even know if it was a, a week. And yeah. Remember you came here. Wow. Yeah. You, yeah, yeah, you came here and because she was out here t- tending to me for something I was dealing with. And you you flew here for a night and flew home with her the very next day. So I do remember that. Mm-hmm. And then I stayed there with her through Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And she said, OK, you've been right. enough. You need to go home. And so I went home <laughs> and I was home maybe maybe a week, maybe two. And, and when she told me, I said, I'll uh-huh. be there tomorrow. I'll be there tomorrow. And, you know, when I told Steve, I said, you know, I can't, I can't come back. I have to stay. And he goes, absolutely. You have to stay. You have to stay as long as you have to stay. I got this. Don't you worry about it. Um, And this is so funny because prior to that happening, a friend of mine, her, her husband had had an accident. And she was trying to help manage his care when he came home. And I was like, I can't help you because I don't think I could ever be a nurse. That's what I was telling her. She was like, can you help me wrap his leg? I was like, I can't help you with that. I'm not, I'm not cut out to be a nurse. And we talked about that like all the time. And so it just, when I tell you God will give you things, it's, it's amazing Um, because the things I thought would have, I would have been afraid to do. I wasn't afraid. I just tell me what I need to do and I'm going to do them. Um, and it never felt like a sacrifice. It was mm-hmm. immediately, I have got to do all I can do because of everything everything you have done for me. You know, people always assume parents are required to do so much. And parents have, there's a line, you know, and then a lot of parents go be above and beyond. As you know, our our parents went above and beyond and outside and around and under. So Mm -hmm. it was never a question that I would stay as long. And I told her, I said, I'm going to stay here until the very end. And I'm going to be with you 
up until the moment that I can no longer be with you. Mm -hmm. Because that is what is my job as your daughter, is to be here and care for you and love you. And I'm going to do that because it just, it was never a moment that I wanted to leave her. You know, when you would come because she, you know, you would come as my relief and I would go mm -hmm. home because she said, you need to go home and, and check on your family. And the moment I got home, I'd be like, okay, guys, we got a week. Let's everything we need to do. We need to lay it out. Let's get it done because I got to go. And it wasn't that I didn't want to be there, but I knew and they understood where my priorities were. It's not that I didn't love mm -hmm. them, but Steve was holding it down. I had to get back because I understood how critical her care was. And not that you guys couldn't handle it, but I needed to be there. And when I wasn't there, I didn't rest. I couldn't sleep. I had a hard time eating. Mm -hmm. I was like, I hope they gave her that. I hope they remember to do that. You know, she doesn't like to do that. So they better not do that. And it was just, it was a constant thing on my mind. Um, mm -hmm. Because that was, and I, and I always will believe this, God gave that job to me. I was raised and developed to carry out that task in that phase of her life. Yeah, I, I remember when we came home from the hospital after her stay in the hospital. I remember very vividly that first night there was some caretaking things we needed to do. And it was me, you and Steph and, of course, mom. And I remember as we were preparing her for bed, we were like, OK, mom, this is what you need to do. We immediately went to you to do what needed to be done. So it was all, it was almost like it was instinctual that we knew that you were in charge and we were there to just assist. And you, you never said, no, I'm not going to do it. Or I, I don't know how to do it, or I'm too scared to do it. You did it. And, and eventually, you know, we, we were able to carry a little more of the weight. Uh, but I just remember you, you're not flinching. You, you just, you just did what had to be done. And um, I think that showed a lot of courage to do that because this was brand new to us all. Uh, and, and as you said, you're not a nurse. Um, so to know that you went into nurse mode, um, that was pretty remarkable to, to see that. And I think that helped us too, to be a little more courageous um, and and careful about how we took care of her. So I think you you helped to kind of set a standard for her care. And that that was important. And I remember, you know, you you talked about a minute ago about how she doesn't like to do this, she likes this. And I remember one time I was home and you were still there. You hadn't quite left. I sat down and drafted a manual. Here's mom's caretaking manual. I don't know if you remember yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. but I put together this manual based on the things you told me because you had spent a lot of time at that time. 
I hadn't spent as much time at home caring for her. So I felt it important because we were all coming and going that we had a manual because we knew our mother had standards even for her care. And certainly it was critical care. Um, yes. But your help was was critical for me to put together um, that manual. So I, I, I laugh at that still. Sometimes when I, I go home, I, I'll peek at it a couple of times and there are a few funny lines in there, um, but certainly uh, all uh, to the good. And it speaks to mom's character and uh, her humorous spirit at times about certain oh, yes. things. Um, so she, when you were she, home, can you talk a little bit about what your time was like with her? What, what you talked about? What was, what was the mood like? Cause I'm sure it, it varied depending on who was there with her. Um, and I know you guys it, probably it, spent more time talking than, than any of us. You know, there were only a few times that things got really serious. Usually we would talk about something we would watched on television or, you know, maybe if I was working, we'd talk a little bit about my work, but we always laughed. That was the one thing we laughed every day about something. It didn't matter. You know, it could be just the smallest thing from maybe her leaving some of her lunch or trying to hide some of her lunch because she didn't want to finish it or her breakfast. It would be very humorous stuff, but she would, you know, we would talk about things we did when we were kids, you know, the stuff, the kids, we would try to pull over on her, you know, when we were younger, you know, and for me, I got a chance to really apologize for some of the things that I did you know, in my adolescent and my young adult that I, I certainly wasn't proud of and was so grateful to her and dad for still holding on and keeping the faith in me uh, and loving me and supporting me and the kids um, and just telling her, you know, how grateful and appreciative, you know, when you, you know, I didn't want to, and I'd done it before, but I wanted her to understand that if it had not been for them, you know, I, I don't know where I would be. And I wanted her to, to just know that the care I give her, I do that out of love, respect and honor for the type of mother that we were so blessed to have. You know, and, and we would talk about, you know, you guys, when you went to school and all the schools you went to and Onrick went to school and, you know, when her and Erica would be driving back from Louisville and just, you know, we would just have conversations and, you know, I would always want us to have something that was upbeat so that her mind was always positive. But she always started her day with prayer. So when she got up, I never interrupted her because I knew what her, what she was doing in the morning. So I would let that. So we never, ever got into super serious mode 
about treatment until we were maybe coming back from uh, the doctor. And I would, you know, I think we had a conversation one time about mom, you know, what is it that you want me to talk? What is it you want me to share with you about what the doctor tells us? Is there anything you want me to explain? And I think that she was okay knowing as much as she knew and she never wanted to really have a whole lot of questions for him. I think she had her faith in God and she knew what the plan was and she was, and she was accepting of God's will. Um, she knew that we weren't, but she was accepting of God's will. Yeah. I, I remember and, you talking once we, you know, I called and checked in probably 10 times a day. But I remember specifically one time, this was towards the end. And you said that she had made her peace with it. And I also remember a part of her making her peace with it was that's when we found out that the treatment was no longer working. And the doctor looked at her. He says, do you understand what I'm telling you? And her, her continence and her disposition was that of not someone that had just gotten that type of news. And because she shared this with me and she, he says, well, how on earth are you just so calm? And she said, it's abiding faith. Um, so I know when you talk about her prayer life and, and her morning routine, that's that was mom as long as I, I've known her. Um, but I think that when she made her peace with it, do you think at all that she would have done anything differently in terms of deciding to do treatment or not do treatment? Do you think that was for us or do you think? I think she did the treatment for us. I think that was solely mm -hmm. to give us the time she felt that we absolutely needed. Um, because I, I don't know how much time we would have had without the treatment. And mm -hmm. I know that she knew that we were no way, in no shape or form, prepared. And so she was trying to help us get to a place that we could accept it. And she knew that we still weren't accepting it. She knew mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. And she wanted us to be in a place where we could get up in the morning and keep moving forward knowing that it was all in God's plan. Mm -hmm. And she knew that was going to be a hard, a hard day, a hard pill to swallow. Mm -hmm. And you know, certainly I, it was, mm -hmm. it was, you know, I can clearly remember the last couple of days, you know, it, it like it was yesterday. Those days were. Do you remember I was home. It was my time to be home. I'd relieved you. Mm -hmm. And I called you and I said, 
there's, you know, she's transitioning. And you were on your way home that day, actually. But I don't know if you remember that. Mm-hmm. And I knew she was transitioning. I knew medically, but in my spirit and in, you know, in the natural realm, I hadn't quite grasped what was really happening. And when you got there at that particular time, because at that particular time we were talking about days when you, you had come back, Mm -hmm. what was your state of mind? That I got there in time. And I just have to, I have to stay strong. I, I, I have to stay strong because I know when we left Portland, I knew that the time was short. I didn't know how short, but I knew it was short. And and that's so interesting you say that because every time I would come and leave, it was always difficult. It was even difficult before mom was was sick to to oh, come home and leave. Oh, yeah. It was just just difficult to leave. But that particular time, because I remember I left, we were at a treatment session for her in Texas. And I was scheduled to come back home to North Carolina. And I said, no, I'm going to Portland for two days. And I booked the flight spot on, paid a lot of money, glad I had the money to pay it. But when I got ready to leave that time, I, I just, just broke down. Yeah. I just, something in my spirit just, it was, that was probably the most difficult time to leave her. And she was with you. She was with Enrique. So I wasn't leaving her with strangers. Uh-huh. But but it was as if my spirit knew that time was truly winding down. And I know you went to a lot of difficult appointments with her. Can you you talk a little bit about as that news was transitioning for her from from appointment to appointment, how you received that versus how she was receiving it? Oh, oh, for me, it was just sometimes I would have to like pinch my leg or grab my leg or my arm so that and take deep breaths so I wouldn't cry. Because for me, it was completely overwhelming and heartbreaking. And a lot of days when if, if it were just me and her, I could I could do okay. But if it were if Steph was with us, it was harder because I couldn't look at her because she absolutely could not hold the tears back. Um mm-hmm. And so it's at one point she stopped going back with us. It would just be me and mom in the room. So I could do better because I knew mm-hmm. mom 
would say, "Ah, uh-uh, no tears." Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. You know, mm-mm. no tears. And so I had to find a way to keep it. I mean, just the moment he would op- almost the moment he'd open his mouth, they would just come. And so fighting them off, it gotten to be so hard. And then from appointment to appointment and, you know, we get there and I can just, you know, remember the first few times she went, we were walking in and it got to be where we had to take the wheelchair to take her in. And, and I remember having the conversation. I said, mom, the moment you tell me you don't want to do this anymore, we don't go back. And I remember her telling me, I don't want to go anymore. Mm. I don't want to go anymore. And for me, I think it was so hard because I knew we we were at that point. I mean, I, you know, Not really looking at her, but knowing medically what was happening with her body. That, you know, she had made her peace with this and God had already decided what was going to be. And I think I had gotten to the point where a lot of times I'd go to bed and I would put the pillow over my face and I would cry and I would be so angry. Why her? God, why her? Why this? And every appointment got harder and harder and and we'd see these doctors and they'll be like, you shouldn't even be here. How are you even here? And when I would hear that, that would just rip through me. But she was, you know, she was constant. She just, like you said, she never, it it never changed for her because her faith was so steady. But for me that, it took me several days to get out of that space to hear a doctor say that. And I'm, it, it would just, it would hurt so bad. And I'm mm-hmm. like, why would you say that? Why would you say that? Just, just don't. You know, and then when we were there in Portland and she couldn't come home because I think her magnesium or something was low and we had to go back over. And I think she had just decided it had, it had gotten to be too much. And mm-hmm. she was tired. She was tired. And I told her, you know, I said, Mom, you don't have to do this for us. It's okay. If you want to stop, we can stop. It's okay. She goes, yeah, I, I want to stop. And then that took a toll on me. That night was really hard. That was the night that Jill. And Leo recorded the video. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I still have that video. Yeah, that was that was really hard because I knew then that there wasn't a lot of time and we would have to get home because she told me when they went to bed, she goes, I need, we got back, she goes, I need you to have a conversation with Chris and Steph because they're not going to understand. And I didn't understand. But I did as she asked. I, yeah, I remember that conversation. It was, um, it was a difficult one. And I didn't understand. And and I knew she was concerned about me for, for her rightful reasons. And partially because I was the baby. Um, but I also knew that, you know, it, it had taken a, a toll not only on her, but on all of us. Um, but I don't want to end with no, that no. because the, the, the story ends no. with, with, of course, mom passing. But there's more to it. And that's oh, really the, the purpose <laughs> of this podcast. And what I want absolutely. to get to is if you could talk for a few minutes about what have been the lessons and the blessings of losing mom and dad, what things have you learned? Because certainly I think you learn some things after they're gone and what are the blessings that you can attest to um, as a result of that grief and that pain. I tell you what, when when your parent tells you, listen to me when I tell you what I'm talking about, they know what they're talking about. I, mm-hmm. I can clearly think back to everything that mom or dad said when they said, don't do it because I told you so. And, and you hear parents say that. And you say, oh, these new age parents, don't tell them that. You have to explain to them. But no, really, you don't. Um, because if they ever come and <laughs> come across that situation, they'd be like, I'm just not going to do that. If they're smart. A lot of people aren't mm-hmm. smart enough to just take the advice to keep it pushing. Everything that mom and dad said don't do that. Don't do it. It's, it's like I can hear that voice. Or, or just knowing, learning, you know, grabbing their strength and their perseverance. You know, they leave you these legacies. And that's the blessing of when they're no longer here is that their legacy stays with you. Their strength transfers to you and you have to rely on that and I do because I'm like there's sometimes I think I just I don't know how I could do that but I know because she was my mother and I'm her child and I can do that I can do that you know there's been some challenges along the way you know and I listen to what she has told me 
She gave me a clear direction on something. And I've remembered that. And that's a blessing because I think it's helped me overcome some things and kept me from really going down a rabbit hole too far. I, you know, you get in the rabbit hole, but you don't go too far. Um, and I, I've learned how to love my children as adults. You know, mother did very well with that. You know, mm-hmm. she loved us as adults. You know, she wouldn't put up, you know, if you were doing some foolishness and you call, you were all out of sorts. She's not going to listen to that. Get it together. Call mm-hmm. me back. Yeah, I've had I've had a couple. I had a couple of those calls. <laughs> <laughs> That's a blessing. So yeah. you know, I'm so grateful for that legacy that they left. You know, we we have that, and the joy of knowing that I come from that type of greatness. In, in those kind of genes, those that perseverance, you know, you don't have too many people that come from that kind of stuff. That that not that stuff. I'm I'm grateful every day that I get up, and when I get up and I'm thinking, oh, I don't feel good. I don't want to. I'm like, mm. you know, mom would have already been up and done 15 things today. And here Correct. I'm to get one done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you know, right. when I there a lot of times I think about stuff that she would say or do, and it brings me joy and laughter. And it's a part because, you know, when I was visiting with Enrique, he was showing me his calendar and he says, well, I, I exercise and I meditate. I don't do a lot of meditation, but I do do a gratitude list and I incorporated different funny things that I think about as our, that our family has gone through. And mom and dad, you know, always did things that were funny. And, you know, mm-hmm. it was, and that brings me joy. It brings me joy and it's a blessing. You know, and I've grown as, as a mom and I hope certainly as a wife and a sister, you know, I no longer feel like an orphan, you know, when they, when they were both gone initially, I felt like an orphan, even though we're, mm-hmm. everybody was an adult. Uh, I feel like we are a family moving forward in the next stage of our life. And yeah. I'm so grateful to be there. I'm grateful to be there because, you know, the alternative is not what something I'm willing to accept right now. And so I'm going to, stand up and be the person I need to be someone that they can look down and say, okay, she's doing her job. She's doing her job. Well, well, I, I certainly think you are doing your job. Um, you, you, you really help to keep us bonded as a family. So I appreciate those things that you do, the small and the large ones. But before we before we go, I ask this question of all my guests because I, I think it's important because at some point in time, grief and pain is going to come to everyone's life. And I think people can learn from what other people have gone through and how they've processed and come out and had a new perspective 
that allows them to be able to think about the lessons and to be able to talk about the blessings of something that is often considered very painful and and it's negative. So if you were to offer one or two things that you would give to someone to say, hey, put this in your toolkit for survival if you're dealing with pain or if you're dealing with grief, what are those one or two things which you say you would recommend for someone to add to their survival toolkit of dealing with pain and grief? The very first thing I would have to go with, I I do have a couple of things. The first thing I would say is don't look at the stages of grief and try to check them off and think you're done. Accept them as they are. And if you have to fall back into one of them, it's okay. You are not being uh, scored and your grief and your process is yours alone. And you're not on anybody's timetable. So if, if someone is expecting you to be at a certain place in your grief, it's not happening. You're the only person who can determine where you are in your grief and be okay with that. Don't let anybody pressure you into being someplace you don't feel like you're ready to be. That's don't a good be one. stagnant, That's a really good one. but be okay with where you are and, and, continue, and move forward at your own pace. And then I would say surround yourself with a good support system. And now it's not always immediate family, but find, find people that you can lean on, that you can talk to. You know, and, and grief is a hard thing for some people to want to, you know, listen to as well as people to open up about. Find those key people in your life. And it shouldn't be a whole bunch of people. One or two, maybe three people, four people, maybe max. But that those people are key in your life right now before you need them in those moments of grief. So your support system is key. I think those are some good tools to to add to the, the toolkit. Well, I am certainly honored to have been able to have this conversation. I know it wasn't an easy conversation at times, but I thank you for allowing me to have this time with you to to talk about our our parents and and what they left behind in terms of blessings and lessons for us to go forward. So thank you again for being on the show. And if you like what you heard, um, leave a response, like us, subscribe and, and share it with someone. And until next time, remember, judge nothing before it's time. <laughs>